Good morning, church family, friends, guests. Good to see you all. Uh, those of you who were out there working on the grounds yesterday, how you feeling? <laughs> Thanking the Lord for ibuprofen and those kinds of things. So today we are uh, winding up our series on hospitality, and I really hope you have felt encouraged and challenged to, uh, to pursue, pursue hospitality. It's really, it's really not a minor topic in Scripture. I hope you've seen that. I hope you've seen that the Bible actually has a lot to say about it. And we've been looking at some really important reasons for why we should practice hospitality. Now today, we're going to look at some reasons for not pursuing hospitality. And if you hear that and you think, phew, that's a relief. Um, okay, slow down, because these aren't good reasons. They're not good reasons, uh, but they're real. They're real reasons. In other words, they are they're real issues that keep us at times, from pursuing hospitality. So these are obstacles, obstacles to hospitality. And uh, we need to understand them, and we need to understand how to overcome them so that we, we pursue hospitality the way that God wants us to. Um, you know, one of those obstacles we've already, we've already addressed, um, I think it was in the first message, we talked about this confusion that we often have between just genuine biblical hospitality and entertaining. And this entertaining mindset is this thought that, you know, if we're going to have people over, it has to be a big production, and we have to really, you know, uh, we've got to have these um, very creative decorations, and we've got to have amazing displays and amazing food and all this. And, and that's just not true. You know, if you're into that and you're good at that, great, God bless you, go for it. Um, but for many of us, if we think that's what hospitality is, that becomes an obstacle because we think, well, I can't do that. And that's just not it. That's not what hospitality is. And if you missed that message or any of them and you want to uh, listen to them, you can get them all online, our website, philida.org, or uh, there's a new app for your uh, phone or tablet it's the Philida Bible app, and uh, that's a really easy way to, uh, to access the messages. But in this message today, I want to address a few more obstacles to hospitality. And I just, I want to remind us of what the goal in all of this is. Uh, the goal is that we as a church family just develop a greater culture of hospitality uh, among ourselves so that so that genuine biblical hospitality just becomes more and more what we do it's just typical it's normal for us um, and we know that this is an area where we need to grow we know that and the reason we know that is because many of you have said so so uh, that's the aim of this series, to help us all see 
that hospitality is, is necessary and that it's powerful, it makes a big difference, and that it's very, very doable. You and I can, we can do this. We can totally do this. It just, become, it just needs to become more and more normal for us to regularly be inviting people into our homes, sharing meal, and getting to know one another better. That's, that's really what we're talking about. Um, now, the question's been raised, uh, and I've heard this in a couple of ways, but uh, and maybe you've thought this. You think, well, okay, so if hospitality is so important, why don't we have, you know, like a program? Why don't we create a structure for hospitality where, you know, we sign up and, and somebody organizes all that and gets us together like that? And that's a good question, and I'm going to give you my answer. Um, and I'm not totally opposed to that, and, you know, at some point we may want to do that. But I don't want to start there because I don't want to give the impression that hospitality is a really difficult thing and that it really takes somebody to organize it for us. And I also don't want us to get dependent on somebody organizing it so that if they don't organize it, we just like, oh, okay, well, I guess I don't have to do that. Um, let's don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. Just invite somebody over. We're, we're talking a culture. Just invite somebody over. Nobody is asking you to remodel your home. Nobody's saying, hey, rip out your flooring, get new stuff in there, update your kitchen. In fact, please don't do that. Because if, if you try to make everything perfect, that it winds up killing the very spirit that we're trying to cultivate here. Okay, because people, you know, many of us struggle with insecurities or whatever about our homes or our cooking or whatever. And if people feel like the only way you can do it is if you do it perfectly, everything's got to be just right, the home's got to be amazing, the food's got to be amazing, uh, then people will feel like I can't do it. That perception kills hospitality. So just keep it simple. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But really, really. I'm serious. Keep it simple. Okay, so let's look at three obstacles to hospitality and how to overcome them. The first obstacle is inconvenience. The obstacle of inconvenience. Let's just be honest and say that even if you do keep it simple... Doing hospitality is always more inconvenient than not doing it. I mean, it's always easier not to have people in your home, isn't it? Because you don't have to clean it. And you don't have to think about what to cook or eat. Uh, you don't have to engage anybody in conversation. You can just plop in front of your TV and veg out. Right? I mean, that's easy. That's always easier. The trouble is, <laughs> if that's your normal lifestyle, and not just an occasional exception when you need a break, but if that's your lifestyle, plopping in front of the TV and vegging out, um, that's seriously at odds with the kind of life Jesus calls us to live. If we make it our goal to avoid inconvenience, then we might as well forget about following Jesus. 
Because living life his way is inconvenient and totally worth it. But it's inconvenient. Following Jesus is inconvenient. Look at 1 Peter 4.9. Peter says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I love that. And the reason I love it is because the fact that Peter had to say it means that grumbling about hospitality is pretty common. It's a pretty common thing. And it is. Because as soon as you think, you look at somebody and you think, oh, I should probably invite them over. Immediately the reasons start coming as to why you can't do that. And it's usually a list of inconveniences. You know? Oh, I can't. The house isn't clean. Or I'm too busy. It's, it's too much work. I'm too tired. The last time we had people over, conversation stalled. Or their kids spilled the milk. The guests stayed too long. Grumble, 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 grumble. And Peter says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't go there. Okay, so how do we, how do we not go there? How do we not grumble? How do we overcome that? Well, let's read the verses around verse 9, okay? So go back to verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards as managers of God's varied or manifold grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. He's telling us some things that we tend to forget if we're trying to avoid inconvenience and we start grumbling. One thing we're forgetting when we grumble, we're forgetting that our job is to love people. That's our job. Keep loving one another earnestly. And you know, love love leads to, love produces all kinds of good things. What does selfishly trying to avoid inconvenience, what does that produce? Uh, grumbling. What else? What, what good? I mean, let's just, let's just take a little survey here. Let's think about this. How many of you, okay, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're a Christian, how many of you became a believer in Jesus because you knew some selfish, grumbling Christians and you wanted to be just like them? Okay? Well, how many of you really enjoy being around selfish, grumbling people? How often does selfishness, on your part or someone else's, how often does selfishness bring you closer to God, make you feel closer to God, and just fill your heart with joy? It doesn't. Selfishness doesn't do it. 
but love. Love covers a multitude of sins. That is, when we love people earnestly, when we love people, we don't focus on their flaws. We don't gripe about their imperfections. We don't nitpick all their problems. And that's really good because we all have flaws. We all have imperfections. We all have problems. And so we need love. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love accomplishes so many good things that selfishly trying to avoid inconvenience wherever possible never will. We forget that when we grumble. We forget it. We're we're forgetting how important love is. We're forgetting how powerful love is. There's something else we forget when we have kind of a avoid inconvenience mindset, when we, we grumble at the inconvenience of it all. We're forgetting to rely on God instead of our own willpower and resources. Hospitality, hospitality is a way of serving others. How do we do that? How do we serve one another when, you know, we're kind of wired to serve ourselves? How How do we do that? Verse 10 tells us, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. We serve one another by remembering that we are receivers of undeserved gifts from God and we then share them with others. We are receivers. Everything we have, everything we have, everything we have is a gift of God's grace. We are channels. We're not sources. There's a great illustration of this in in, uh, the Holy Land. The Sea of Galilee versus the Dead Sea. Sea of Galilee has an inflow and an outflow. And it's fresh and it's alive. Dead Sea has an inflow and that's it. And it's called dead for a reason. Yuck. The flow through is what encourages life. We're channels. We're not the source. If you try to be the source of all this, of of love and hospitality, if you try to be the source, you'll wipe yourself out. So verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Okay, so put it all together here. Here's the antidote to grumbling about inconvenience. The antidote to grumbling is not trying harder not to grumble. Have you tried that? You know, start writing on the board, I will not grumble. I will not grumble. I will not grumble. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're just going to be grumbling about that. The antidote to grumbling is not trying harder not to grumble The antidote to grumbling is relying more on God. That is, how do we rely on God? We believe his promises. We believe his promises and we ask him for his help. Relying on God. Don't make it your goal to grumble less. 
Make it your goal to love more. Rely on God to love more. If, if that becomes our goal, love displaces selfishness. Love displaces grumbling as we rely on God's grace. And we start seeing him do really cool things in us and through us. So, inconvenience. That's an obstacle, but we can overcome that. Loving people and reliance on him. Okay, second uh, obstacle. Awkwardness. Awkwardness. This is an obstacle because uh, if, if we're hesitating to invite somebody over because it's, it's going to be awkward. You know, especially now. Because they're going to know you're just doing it because the preacher said so. <laughs> or you'll think, oh man, I should, I should have had them over months ago, years ago. This feels awkward. Or you can't remember their name. You've been coming to church together for like five years and you still don't know their name. And you're going to look like a dope. Or whatever. Whatever. It just feels awkward. And in this culture, awkwardness is like the worst thing ever. Everybody's trying to avoid feeling awkward. Well, in order to deal with it, we kind of we just need to call it what it is. All right? I'm not trying to be harsh here, but let's call that what it is. That is a pride thing. It's a pride thing. Because we're not thinking about the other person. We're not thinking about how much they need a warm welcome, how much they need our hospitality. What are we thinking about? We're thinking about, I don't want to look foolish. And the Bible's answer to that problem of pride is pretty straightforward. Get over yourself. Just get over yourself. It doesn't matter how impressive you look to other people. Our job is to love people, not protect our image. Our goal is to make Jesus look good, not make ourselves look good. And if it takes looking awkward to make Jesus look good, great. It's called humility. And it's all through the Bible. I mean, it's everywhere. But look at this passage in particular, Philippians 2, chapter, uh, beginning at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider or regard others better than yourselves. Now, this isn't about putting yourself down. This is about just choosing to put others' needs before your own. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who... Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." So we're called to be as humble as Jesus. He is our example. And this is just 
I mean, especially at this time of year, this is one of the things to really reflect on. Think about this. He, the glorious, infinite, eternal Son of God, humbled himself to the point of, of taking on humanity. I think it's C.S. Lewis that says, if you want to try to grasp what it was like for the, the Son of God to become a man, try to imagine what it would be like for you to become like an ant or a worm or something. The infinite, eternally glorious Son of God became a man and endured the most shameful, awful experience imaginable. You realize crucifixion was designed for the very worst of criminals, and it was designed to be just this hideous thing. I mean, think about it. You're, you're hanging naked in public, dying by slowly suffocating to death. That's how it worked. It was the most shameful. It was meant to be as humiliating as possible. And Jesus, the only truly innocent man who's ever lived, was condemned to die that kind of death, and he humbled himself and endured it in order to love you and me to meet our deepest need to bring us into God's family that's the example of humility we're called to follow okay if he did that for us what's a little awkwardness especially in light of the promises he gives us okay again this is not just about like gritting our teeth and and forcing ourselves to do something, although maybe a little bit that wouldn't be bad, but, but there are promises. 1 Peter 5.5 5, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties, including all of your anxieties, your insecurities about your house, or your apartment, or your cooking ability, or whatever, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Notice those promises. These are awesome. He gives grace to the humble. He will exalt you at the proper time. He cares for you. You lose absolutely nothing when you humble yourself under his mighty hand to serve others. You don't lose a thing. See, sometimes we we worry. This is what's so ironic about this. Sometimes we worry that people are going to think less of us if they find out we're not perfect. If we admit we're not perfect, people will think less of us. It's, it's, It's really just the opposite. I mean, when somebody humbles themselves, if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I... I feel really stupid here. I, I know I've met you before, and, and I just can't remember your name. Can you help me out here? When somebody humbles himself before you, don't you, find your, don't you find that person to be more approachable than somebody who pretends they have it all together? Can we just be honest here? Nobody has it all together nobody 
There's not one person in this room that has it all together. Don't be too proud to be awkward. <laughs> just, <laughs> just go ahead. Be awkward. I know you're going to think the only reason I'm inviting you over is because Pastor Scott said so. And that's true. but I need to grow in this. Could you help me out here? Because he's going to ask me, and I want to be able to tell him yes, so help me out here. Can we help each other? Then we'll go to your place the following week, or whatever. Just don't be proud to be awkward. It's okay. It's okay. You will live. You will live. All right, one more. Ignorance. This is an obstacle if, if we're just ignorant. Uh, and this would be saying, well, I, you know, okay, so I, I hear what you're saying. I see it in the Bible. Hospitality is important. I get it, but I don't know how. I just don't know how. I wasn't raised in a home of hospitality. My mom and dad didn't do it. I don't have a clue. Okay, so that's why we, uh, what do I do with it? That's why we gave you this little handout, and there's more out there in the lobby, because it's just got some tips for hosts and guests. It's even got some conversation ideas. Um, But again, let me stress this again. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. You know, just invite somebody over. Get a take-and-bake pizza or a carton of ice cream and a few toppings, and just share a meal and have a conversation. That's it. You know, and if you have no idea what to talk about, well, there's some help, uh, tips here. I'd say basically the general rule of thumb is ask open-ended questions. Don't ask yes or no questions. Those don't go anywhere. But you ask open-ended questions. Say, hey, could you tell me about where you grew up, what that was like? Tell me about, you know, your interests, or tell me about your family. Tell me about... You know, uh, if they're married, tell me about how you got you guys got to know each other and decided to get married. I guess that could be awkward in some situations, but just <laughs> ask open-ended questions. And you know what? Most people don't mind talking about themselves. They usually kind of like it. But the <laughs> the point is, keep it simple. Okay, so you remember when we... It, if you were here, when we started this series, we, we looked at the example of Martha and Mary, these two sisters, and they had Jesus in their home. <laughs> and Martha ends up having a total meltdown because there's just so much to do. There's so much going on in the kitchen. And Mary, Mary is out in the living room listening to Jesus of all things. And so she, she melts down, and she goes out, and she, she basically climbs on Jesus' case and says, hey, how about telling my sister to get in here and help me? Look what he says. It says, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Many things. You're trying to do too much. Martha, 
You're trying to do too much. So let's learn a lesson. When you have somebody over, go with a meal that won't stress you out. If you're not a great cook, one of the books I read had this suggestion. If you're not a great cook, just find one recipe and learn how to do it really well and have it every time you have somebody over. (laughs) They won't care. They won't care. Or ask for help. You probably have a friend who likes to cook. Have them come over and help you. Or, Or, as I've said several times, get a pizza or whatever. It's because it's not about the food. It's not about the food. It's about loving people in Jesus' name. Loving people in Jesus' name. You can do this. You can do this. Don't say, I don't know how to do it. You can do it. Guaranteed. And one more thing. I want to say a word about the, a spontaneity. Because some of you are just super spontaneous. You know what? And that's great. God bless you. In fact, I would love it if all you spontaneous people would take the lead on this. Show us how. Go ahead. Be spontaneous. Because you, know, you see a new person, you just think automatically. You just, hey, why don't you guys come over for lunch today? Now, if you're married to someone who's not spontaneous, you might very well have an argument later. But you don't care. You're spontaneous. You don't care. Most, well, I don't know what the percentages are, but many of us are not spontaneous. Although it wouldn't hurt us to work at it. But for many of us, if we don't plan, it doesn't happen. I know for me, good intentions are not enough. And so Karen and I have talked. We know we just need to sit down regularly. So we've set a time when we're going to do this, where we're going to pray, we're going to get out the counter, we say, okay, who are we having over and when? Because if, if we don't plan, then week after week after week goes by and nothing happens. And that's not okay. Because hospitality is super important. And it's so powerful. I have to tell you, I'm absolutely convinced that of all the things that we could do, that we could work on to help us become better at reaching out to people and sharing Jesus with them and helping new people connect relationally and into ministry, that of all the things we could be working on, cultivating a, uh, a culture of hospitality is probably the most important, the most powerful. It's so, it's so powerful because it's extending other people the warm welcome that God has extended to us in Jesus. We're inviting people to God's table. We serve... We serve a lavishly hospitable God. He is lavishly hospitable. And as I said before, people need your hospitality. So don't think, oh, he's not talking to me. Oh, yes, I am. People need your hospitality. They don't need you to be an expert at entertaining They don't need you to be perfect. They don't need for you to have it all figured out. They just need for you to welcome them in. So we're going to pray. 
And uh, today after the service, I'm going to do what, it, what we do occasionally and have a little Q&A time. So if you want to hang around for a little Q&A, we'll just meet right here in the front. Just 10 minutes or whatever. 2, 20, however many want to come. So if you have questions, um, by all means come. But we're just going to pray. And would you make it your prayer as I make it my prayer that God will just help us get over ourselves and don't forget the challenge. Everyone hosts one. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. And enjoy it. You might, <laughs> you're going to enjoy it. Well, let's pray. Gracious Father, you are so lavish in your love. You're so lavish in your welcome. You're so inviting. Uh, and Lord, the amazing thing is, is that you made a way through Jesus for, for the biggest obstacle of all to be overcome, our sin, our rebellion, our rejection of you. And God, we don't have the holiness we need to come into your presence, and so you offer it to us in Christ. And when we have Christ, you clothe us in his righteousness, and we can come, and you want us to come. And if there's anybody here today who hasn't yet come, Lord, we just help them see that today could be the day and they just need to put their trust in Jesus and all that he's done and stop putting it in themselves or somebody else. Uh, Lord, create within us a culture of hospitality, a culture of welcome so that in all things you will be glorified as we point the attention to you. We pray in Jesus' name.